0: I, have, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have the friends who had the grace to see me through my journey without disqualifying me as less qualified to do what I do because I'm imperfect. Like you have to have those people that you can be completely authentic with that. You can, like you said, show your ugly to that. You can just lay it all out. I'm struggling with this. It doesn't have to be a whole, you know, squad, you know, just two or three or four people that you know that you can turn to because there is just, there is a healing. I think it's a spiritual principle and I think it's a mental health principle that there is a healing that takes place with confession.
1: at the table, we believe there's more that unites us than divides us. My name is Sean Lochi. I'm the creative pastor here at Higher Vision. With us, we have Anthony Doris, who's our group's pastor, and we are with the wonderful, incredible Brittany Moses today, yeah. talking about mental health and anxiety. Um, I know this is a very touchy subject and very sensitive, and for some of you listening, there was even an incident in uh, the last couple of weeks with Pastor Andrew at Inland Hills Church, and uh, for those of you who know or do not know, he's a pastor who ended up taking his life. And so first of all, we just want to send our deepest condolences to the church, to mm-hmm. Kayla, Absolutely. to the yeah. family we're praying and thinking for you, thinking about you every day. And uh, we even had a conversation. We actually had scheduled this uh, conversation before that mm-hmm. incident took place, and we were talking about, is it appropriate to have it? Is it appropriate to discuss this? Mm. And uh just feel that now more than ever, that conversation needs to happen within the church. And so yeah, that's the absolutely. point of this podcast, is to go into places that are tough to talk about, that are difficult, but we know there's a necessary conversation. So if you've got about an hour, stick with us. We're glad that you're here, and welcome to the table.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, okay, so Brittany. <laughs> yes. We're so glad that you're here with us. Thank uh, you. I'm so can, glad to be here. Yeah. So <laughs> give us a little bit—so you're studying right now clinical mm-hmm. psychology— and you are primarily focusing on how that intersects <laughs> how that intersects with uh um mental health with yeah, faith. Yeah. So give us a little bit tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, this is I really do believe a calling that chose me. <laughs> yeah. But um I I just I've been involved in ministry a lot in my life. I was a church kid. I was raised in the church, kind of fell away as a teenager, came back, and was back involved in ministry and church plants. And um, one side of my experience was that I was running into a lot of mental health issues in the church. I remember being a part of a church plant, and one of the youth, the young boys, was having suicidal thinking and ruminations. And, you know, the pastor kind of telling me, hey, why don't you go, you know, talk to the kid and his parents and pray for him. And I remember in that moment thinking, oh, gosh, I I don't really know what to—all of what to say, all of what to do. You know, even though when I was a teenager, I struggled with suicidal ruminations myself. Mm. Um, I went to the, you know, the automatic kind of church. Uh, We'll just—we'll pray for them, which— don't under, I don't underestimate the power of prayer. Um, but it was a light bulb moment for me where I realized that we don't have the tools to deal with these hard issues. Um, and so that was one. And then also throughout my life, I had episodically struggled with anxiety and depression. Anxiety is something I'm still continuously managing and overcoming to this day. And I just felt it so heavy on my heart to, be the I want to say be the resource that I needed yeah. during these times. I remember feeling like I wish I had something to help me in my recovery, mm-hmm. um, something for others in the church like me who need recovery but want it to be based in Jesus because yeah. he's our source. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And so that's how I went on awesome. to cool. create my app and I started a blog about it and it yeah. it went viral some of the things and I was that showed me like this is a huge need this is a huge mm, conversation yeah. that needs yeah. to happen and yeah. also went back to school for clinical psychology cool. knowing this is exactly what I want to do yeah. so yeah and it's
1: absolutely I think a conversation that we need to have in the church because it's yeah. been For a long time, and even still to this day, a little bit taboo. Because I think of what you just said is we we have an idea, which is true, that God can heal anything, and it you know He's divine. He is peace. He is comfort. Um, And sometimes I think we can, although that is true, we can forget that we have to process things on our. And He's given us a brain. He's given us an approach to learn these things and figure out how can we find balance in our life and be good. You know, honestly, stewards of our emotional state right. and so i think those two sometimes can be combative against each other if we don't find that balance and find that line so i think it's great how even i was just reading on your blog how you're saying you you want to find the balance you want to find the intersection of those two cuz yeah. it is there and so um And you have a son as well?
0: Yeah, I have an eight-year-old son. He's, oh my gosh, he's almost going to be taller than me. I think that's so crazy. Um, But yeah, I have an eight-year-old son and it's, I am a single mom. It's me and him and it's wonderful. And we've been on this journey, this crazy journey together. And just, I love seeing how God is growing us together and individually and what he's doing with our lives.
1: Now, is he into Fortnite or anything one oh, he's ones. a Minecraft kid.
0: Mine. <laughs> oh, <wow>. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. We went to a Minecraft convention. Oh, there's a wow, Minecraft a convention? Yes. Yeah, and, and it's touring. Whoa. And there was Whoa. one at the Staples Center. And when I got there, it was like a mini rave for <laughs> Minecraft kids. It was insane. I was like, this is a thing. That's but so I do know Fortnite's a thing. He hasn't gotten into I, that yet.
1: Yeah. So my nephew, he's 11 or 12. I think he's 12 now. And I was just with him this last week. And. There's like dances, it's like no, you know, It's it's a whole culture, bro. I, dude, I'm so it's like, a whole out of, co- <laughs> So like they
2: have these dances that everybody does, like the scissor dance. All these I don't the know floss? Just, the floss. Yeah. Oh, I know
0: the floss. It's, I can do the floss. You can do the floss? Yeah, I
2: cannot do the floss. Like it's so, it's so <laughs> weird. and my son just started doing this. I have I have a 12 year old son. Okay. He just turned 12. He is crazy he was crazy about minecraft yeah now and he's crazy fortnite. about fortnite and so it was really crazy and he just started doing this dance and he was teaching his sister i was like what is that he's like it's fortnite dad this <laughs> is, is a whole know? culture now like i'm just like oh my goodness mind blowing! It's crazy. it's crazy
0: i don't know about your son but my son doesn't watch tv like i used to wow. like when i was a kid you would uh-huh. watch cartoons yeah. and you had your favorite cartoons it's like no he has his favorite games and YouTubers. Yes. With YouTube games. Is it's a, crazy a whole thing. different like it's a whole different thing.
2: Yes. Yes. <laughs> they have was, their crazy youth your kids aren't at this point yet, but no, they want to watch YouTubers all day long. All day. So Daily yeah. Bumps.
0: Yeah. Is my
2: my son and my daughter, they love them. And they like have millions of
1: followers. Wow. And so,
0: it's true. Yeah. It's a it's a new stuff. world.
1: Yeah. That's a whole new world. I've <laughs> like well I think even for us growing up i mean like we had digital technology right. but it wasn't um you know as we as even like so i had, i have some uh, sister sister-in-laws who are you know getting into 18 17 and yeah. they are in like their life was built in technology the wow. idea mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i remember for me like there my space came around of mm-hmm. tom he was yeah. my friend yeah, yeah. he was right? their very, <laughs> <friend. laughs> the very first friend <laughs> so funny. um and so <laughs> You know, but I remember basically actively choosing to be in that. And now you have children. Now even, you know, my children as well. It's like I'm posting a photo of them. They're in this digital space right. before they even, you know. And that I just wonder a lot, like how does that impact our anxiety? How does that impact, yeah. you know, where does social media find that line into it? And I think, I don't know if you have any thoughts or anything you've read up on that. or
0: Yeah, I mean, I social media is one of those things. Uh, Like most things where it is a tool and it depends on the user as far as how, which way your mental health goes. But I definitely do believe that um, the way social media and the internet was introduced to us escalated and took off faster than we gained the skills to healthily cope Mm. uh, with and adapt to being in that world. So it's almost like we are mentally, we are now mentally trying to catch up with this big world that took off, you know, um, like I said, faster than we kind of really thought about and processed and put the skills in place of what to do with this new world. So, you know, it it depends on the user, but obviously, like, it can have a great impact on your mental health if you're comparing yourself to other people's lives, if you're not keeping in mind that most of the time what people show you is what they want you to see. Right. And right. I do that, yeah. you know what I mean? Because not everything is meant for everybody, yeah. you know? Not everybody, when I'm processing things or going through uh, maybe issues with anxiety or have gone through an issue with depression, I I personally haven't posted it. I think that would ring true for a lot of us. Um, So, but we just have to, we just have to keep that in mind because otherwise we're going to be looking at other people's profiles and be like, Oh, they have, they have more friends than I do. They get out more than I do. They're doing better than I do and start feeling like God has left you behind. Or he's forgotten about you.
2: So interesting that you say that because I'm thinking as you're saying that I'm thinking about. um, Chris Rock said this in (laughs) one of his uh, stand-up specials. He said when you when he was talking about dating, he said when you're dating a person and you first see that person, you're meeting their representative. You're not really meeting who the real person is, right? They're putting out their best foot forward, you know what I mean? Until you get to know them about a year later, and then they show their true true colors. But the thing that um, social media has done you never get to see these people true colors if right. they can just stay behind a keyboard. You know what yeah. I mean? And so how does that affect someone? Because, you know, when we uh, socialized back in the day going to school, you can put that first foot forward, but then sooner or later your true colors are going to show because yeah. you have to actually be in front of the person. But what about, you know, you, you're able to hide behind a keyboard, how does that affect these kids and yeah. not getting them out into being in, yeah. you know, social in the real world?
0: Especially if you're a teenager. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you're a teenager oh, yeah. because that's such a stage where you're trying to figure out your own identity and worth. I know it was for me. Yeah. And so now you have this added component of the internet yeah. that you have to battle with. So now you have this double battle and I mean I can only imagine like when I was a teenager we didn't have Instagram and yeah. Facebook all we had was MySpace. <laughs> yeah. um, and all you had to worry about was who was on your on your top 10. Yeah. You know. Was yeah. Yeah. That was stressful. That was stressful. Like oh no you're getting bumped
1: this week. Top <laughs>
2: 10. I oh, forgot about the top 10. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's um it's tough and uh, you know we have to have conversations yeah. with our kids about it.
1: I don't know if you do you guys watch the show Black Mirror? Yes, I it. did. <gasps> Have you seen the social yes. media Yes, one? with yes. the with the yeah. stars? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. If you haven't seen that show and you're listening. I mean, um yeah. there's some weird black mirror shows but there episodes <laughs> yeah. but there's one right. on social media yeah. that um I when I watched it it was just kind of like I know that this is supposed to be in a, you know, depiction of the future of what, mm-hmm. you know. Right. How we, you know, how we could end up, but that one to me is like, that's not ending up. That's real. Like, it's real, yes. I see. That's Yelp. That, yeah. I mean, like, that, you, you know, live and it die. It your
2: business. It's crazy.
1: But even more so than Yelp, it's almost like your social profile is your Yelp. Yeah. And so, yeah. interactions now, and I never had this growing up, but, you know, I think even more so now than ever, is people... Hey, you're, I'm your. I want to be your friend. Mm-hmm. Well, let me look at you. You have. You only got a hundred followers. Well, right. this person oh, has a yeah. thousand. So right. this person has ten thousand. I need to be a part of that and mm-hmm. that culture. Right. Um. I think that we've. And I. I was trying to think of the right term. And I. You know. But but I think that we've basically, honestly, in in so many ways, we've prostituted our our uh, connection in yeah. the fact that like we've given up what it was meant to be, real, authentic relationship. Yeah. yeah what connection was meant to be of this beautiful thing, uh, where it's life giving it's you feel a sense of belonging and we've just let that go for now. We, uh, you know, we just want that quick dopamine. Mm-hmm. We just want that quick, give me a like yeah. and good and I'm on. But we're actually not getting the thing that we were meant as humans to, to have. Yeah. And so, this, I don't know, social media, is it's at this weird crossroads where it's like, I think in the beginning there was some health to it. Mm-hmm. But now it's, it's just the whole balance thing of it's gone so far the other end to where everyone has, um, and it's a good way to communicate. And if you yeah. leave it like what you say, mm-hmm. you leave it at that tool, then it's good. Yeah, um, but when you start to let that be your main source of connection mm-hmm. with humanity, mm-hmm. you're going to eventually find that you don't actually have that connection with humanity because it, that's it's not good for that, you know. And you can't yeah. have the look a person in the eyes and right. yeah, some yeah. of that stuff, you know. And so I think we have a um, a generation that's growing up that if that's not balanced, that's what's lead, in my opinion leading to such a big rise in yeah. anxiety. And, um, you know, we mentioned Pastor Andrew in the beginning of this whole thing, but even more so,
0: yeah.
1: It, you, we're now seeing it in church, and I'm not saying this is um, yeah. this scenario by any means, but I'm just saying within the church culture, now there's a rise of churches looking at other yeah. churches, and yeah. uh, people, leaders in a church, and pastors, how many followers do I have as a Christian, you know, and mm-hmm. it's just nothing that God desired or meant for us to have, yeah. you know. Yeah.
0: I agree. Like, I like what you said, and you mentioned it too, just this facade of re- of having a relationship when you don't. Like, social media gives off this impression that you are connected to people when you're really not. It's like you when you see, you know, the f- families of your friends or a person posting just updates with your life, you feel like you know what's going on with this person. But in reality, that person could be struggling with depression deeply. That person could be about to take their life. That person could be struggling with anxiety. And so you know, you're, we do have just mental health, general foundational needs of love, support and belonging. Mm -hmm. That is some, that is a real need that we have. And we have this facade that we're meeting it through social media, but we're not. And even like, chemically if we were gonna to go to like the neurological level when you meet with a person in person and you're looking them in the eyes and you're having you know hugging yeah. them touching them whatever it releases like oxytocin in the brain you know and that's a real um, connection and so it's uh, yeah. yeah it's it's kind of um it's like yeah it's a fake. Yeah. Kind of. And so we have to realize that. Yeah. We have to. And then I think we're lazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's easier yeah. to scroll down your timeline yeah. and see how <laughs> people are doing yeah. and like send a message yeah. rather than to get That's up. Yeah. Look, sometimes, some days I don't want to put on jeans, pants. <laughs> like yeah. we all have those days, it's good, you know, yeah. but you got it. Then you have to get up and you have yeah. to get dressed and you have to drive somewhere and meet someone and sit with them. Mm-hmm. And we just have the kind of the luxury of not doing that by just checking online, but we really, yeah. we need it. Need it yeah. We need it. Um, it would be healthy for us to even create an intentional habit of saying, I'm going to meet with three mm-hmm. friends this month. I'm uh-huh. going to sit down and and make that a an actual thing because it does help your mental health. And a lot of research has, has shown that. People that have meaningful conversations, uh, they did studies. People who ha- have sit down and have meaningful conversations are happier and mm-hmm. more fulfilled um, than people who kind of have these surface level yeah. you know talks and don't really connect with anyone
2: that's so interesting yeah. because um when we started talking, this podcast was kind of born out of us having a two hour conversation I love it. with each other about politics about yeah. race about all these things that's going on in the world, and we just had this crazy conversation and it felt so good at the end to talk to each other and say man we disagree about a bunch but we agree on a lot too and we agree on you know one thing the biggest thing is that jesus is the answer and the church can be the answer for the divide we have in the world and it was just so great walking away from that conversation and i'm thinking as you're talking you know walking away from different gatherings i've been to um you know we just my wife and i we would just say that was really great yeah. to see all of them. And it was really great to hug them and to find out how they're really doing, you know what I mean? So I can attest to that it feels so much better than just kind of scrolling up up timeline.
1: And it does, it takes energy. I mean, like even yeah. one of the things that we're, right now, even at Higher Vision Church, but just the church in general is in the, I think that we are all trying to figure out how do we make sure community stays at yeah. the at the center of it all. And I love that we're doing more and more groups and circles and mm-hmm. that is the culture here. But even that takes energy. It takes, you know, I'm going to have to block off time. I'm going to have – and in a busy yeah. – you know, life is busy. I feel like California life is busier. Yeah. I feel like um, L.A. California life yes. is like High – pa- High-paced. You, yes. Yeah, it's fast. I mean, yeah. it's, it's funny. I was even just up in NorCal this last week just on vacation, and it was just like everyone's chill. Even for <laughs> – and California is not chill. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. And right, so right, I right. But I think in L.A., you have to be, you know, you you're gonna have. If you want to make community as a priority, you have to number one put aside. Like there's the beach, there's Disneyland, there's every museum, you've every one of the best food, yeah, and then if that's, that's all true. done, go camping, go to the you, go hiking. Like there's everything's awesome, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, you have to say we're gonna bring people along intentionally with that, or I'm gonna put that aside for a moment. And then, couple in, you got a commute that's 40, 50, that's four hours long, like whatever it is. Right. You have all these obstacles. And at the end of the day, when you get home, you are tired. And so it is easier just to go, you know, scroll through. But it's all that reason why you have to keep it in a place of priority. Because if you don't, you'll find you'll go months with that and then end up just in a place where you feel alone, you feel yeah. isolated. And that's when all of the mental health stuff starts to creep in, in yes. you know, in my opinion. And you see anxiety rise, and you see depression. And so it's it's interesting because the church is like the solution for this, where you have community, you have people finding Christ, you have um, authentic community, you know, not forced, not fake, but real people caring for each mm-hmm. other, regardless of race, uh, you know, gender, where you come up, where you've been grown, any, mm-hmm. any your entire mm-hmm. background. People are coming together and, you know, celebrating a unified Savior. And so... Mm -hmm. in some ways it is the answer in most ways. But I do feel like even, and maybe you could share a little bit of your experience, but um, there are some stories in church where it has, people are afraid to go because it has caused anxiety for them and it has caused mental health issues. And so a a natural response, honestly, you know, when you have that is to push away and say, I want nothing to do with that. And so the very thing that is the answer has hurt people. And so they're, it's pushed away. Yeah. And, you know, I think community is in the center of that. But yeah.
0: By the way, have, did you guys know if you go on your iPhone and you go to the settings and you go to your battery, it will show you how many hours you've spent awesome. for the day or even for the week on <laughs> certain apps? That's awesome. I found out that Instagram was my part-time job. <laughs> wow. No, literally. I think I spent like <laughs> 15 to 20 hours total did you too? I was funny. like, that was a that was a, that was a light bulb moment for me. So I was like, whoa.
2: So I guess <laughs> I, I'm that? just gonna be transparent here. So my friend Matt, uh-huh. he um he's into gadgets. Um, and so he told us, he told my wife and I, he said, I found this app that will show you every moment you spend on your phone. And so it's called Moments. So And um, here's here's my I'm Moments. Showing I'm showing it. Oh, man. And so my moments are like, I spend so much time on my phone. Mm -hmm. It's like nine, six, five hours a day. Yeah. It's crazy. You know what I mean? And it's just, and it's everything you do on your phone, whether it's, you know, reading my emails or checking the groups on online, whatever it is, you know, work, but I'm on my phone too much. And I even told my son, like, you know, tell dad, like, hey, dad, get off your phone. You know what I mean? Like, you know, make sure I'm paying attention to you. Your phone's ringing right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> As we're it, it's, it's crazy, but it, it goes back to the facade thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're, um, we're, we live in L.A., so there's so many communities. I feel like we're inundated with a lot of communities. You know what I mean? There's so many communities that you can be a part of. Like, my kids, they act. And so Mm -hmm. there's a community that you can be a part of, like you know, know people who know about going to auditions and knowing how to book commercials and all those kind of things. But those things are like really fake, you know what I mean? We know each other kind of like on the surface, but they're not real, you know what I mean? And so I find myself trying to dig through all of the communities to trying to find the real community that can really. um, Pastor Randy says this that I can show my ugly too. Like, I can tell yeah. you things that I'm going through, and you won't judge me, but you'll help me. You'll walk with me. Those are the kind of communities that are important to me. And I'm trying to, you know, wade through all those facades to get to those real communities.
0: I think that with church, going back to what you were saying about feeling maybe pushed away or judged yeah. by certain communities, that's tough. Because I'd, I had experienced that at some point in my walk as a Christian, as a Jesus loving, like on fire for God Christian, you know, encountered a church where, you know, there was, you know, just kind of toxic things like gossip and yeah. judgment and things. And for a brief period, it made me like want to take a break yeah. from from church, you know, so I can only imagine someone who maybe isn't full-fledged into their walk with Christ or is just now discovering him and then experiences that yeah. and being so easily turned away. So, um, you know, I love the analogy that it's not us pointing Jesus to the cross, pointing people to the cross, but it's us saying let's walk together yeah. to the cross where it's yeah. we're all you know, broken. We all have our issues, yeah. and we're we're walking to Jesus together. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we can adapt that more of that attitude, more of that culture, because yeah. it is biblical, yeah, yeah. you know, then yeah. we'll be humble, yeah. you know, enough to um, not make everything a a faith issue, an assassination of character yeah. in the church. We're just too quick to to do that, and yeah. even to ourselves, though. Yeah. you know, like yeah. where when something's wrong with us, if we're struggling with anxiety or whatever, it's um, us having a a faith issue. It's us having, not being Christian enough. Um, You know, we just, I think we need a clean slate with how we're talking about that and how we're thinking about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, so when you, in so community is messy. Like you just got to put out, like your deepest, any community, your deepest sense of community, even, you know, family, is it's, you make a commitment and it's messy and it's brutal at times, but you, you know, you say, I'm going to stick it out and be with him. And, um, I think that there's, it's always that balance of you. If you're going to enter into community, you know, you're probably going to be hurt. There are going to be things that come up, but it doesn't mean that you're not loved. And I think where we need to really look is as leaders and pastors and myself in this pot, like we need to be okay with community being messy, mm-hmm, we need to be okay that it's we we can't control it like if we right. th- the moment that starts to become a thing, we are interjecting ourselves into something that god was is the only person ca- that can do that, and we are actually you know we could be messing up what the Holy Spirit wants to do, and so just like what you said is I mm-hmm. think the more that as leaders and pastors we can get out of the way and rather than you know. And I'm not, and I say this in with all love and respect, but sometimes almost get in between the cross and people to where it's like we're here to give you the, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. be the Jesus. We step out of the way and say we're a coach. We're here to point you to the cross yeah. and yeah. cheer you along your path to find that. Yeah, and here to answer anything you need and be there for you when you fall, cheer you when you, you know, when you rise, but never push you away. Yeah. And I think. Unfortunately, there has been some things within the church where when somebody doesn't operate in a way that the leader or pastor sees, they kind of push away and outcast and which like what you're saying, almost demonize what that person has gone through
0: yeah um
1: quiet subdue all that stuff which for men for dealing with mental health is the worst things like i mean yeah. I, I don't i ever I don't have a study I can quote on this, but basically the the article was saying how um, if you've gone through a traumatic experience, just verbalizing it makes your brain connect and move past it. But yes, but often in a church, if the traumatic experience, it's like, let's just push that to the side. And so then a person's told to be quiet, to not deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even seen sometimes a person in a healthy way wanting to just talk about what they've gone through in a traumatic way, being told it's gossip, it's slander, you know, but they've actually right. gone through a very traumatic experience. And so that's where there's that juxtaposition of the church is the answer, mm-hmm. but really as leaders and pastors, and I think the larger congregation that you have or the la- la- more amount of people you're leading, you need to be more acutely aware to the responsibility you have and um, more in, in tune with your being very careful with the people that you're caring for, you know? Yeah and um so there's that weird juxtaposition of the very thing that can help and that is the answer also because of poor leadership or just inexperience or any of that stuff can also hurt you very deeply, you know?
0: I was going to say that, um, yeah, it's definitely a taboo subject, but just in the undertones of history of church culture, you think about just back in times of like what Alexander, where you had these doctor priests, where whenever there was a mental illness, there were rituals to cast out the demon, you know? Um, and, And that's kind of just a thing with time when we don't know and don't have a full understanding of yeah. things. We did what we could back in the day, but the church was the place for healing. But many times that was, you know, exorcisms and whatnot. But even with, you know, um, you think about the Hebrews, and a lot of times they equated illnesses to um, God's sin punishment or, you know, coming from God's wrath. I think it was in... I think it's John nine, um, where Jesus sees the blind man, and the I think it's Peter, one of the disciples, asks, you know, what did this, what sin did this man or his parents commit for him to be blind? Yeah. And Jesus is like, neither him nor his parents committed a sin. This happened so that God may be glorified. And then he heals him, and then God gets the glory from it. Right. And so there has been this historical church culture kind of undertone that when there's an illness or when and there's, I don't know, something like depression or whatever. It's you know, it's a result of sin. It's a result yeah. of God's wrath. It's a result of somebody doing something wrong or something being wrong with someone's faith. And so, um, because we take this 100 uh, percent spiritual view, where everything is a spiritual, everything's a spiritual matter, and things don't get me wrong, I do believe mental health and mental illness is so intertwined with spirit with, you know, your faith, um, for sure. But my whole, I guess, goal and the things that I do and the things that I write and present is that we as a church take on a holistic perspective because we are, we have mental health, we have social health, we have physical health, and obviously we have spiritual health and it's all intertwined together. And so, um, we just have to be more, um, well, we just, we have to be more integrated because, um, you know, there are different reasons people have mental health issues. One could be they have different bio biochemical levels, you know, just things such as if you're low in serotonin in your brain, that could cause you to have more anxiety or more depression. Or if you have an underactive thyroid that not is that's yeah. not producing enough hormones, that can lead to depression and a lack of motivation. So there are physical reasons for these issues and there are psychological reasons like what you were saying where it's like people try to bring up these topics and it's just like leave it alone for some reason and I've seen it so much and I've even thought this way as a Christian I've come to Christ I've been born again I'm made new the past is the past I'm a new creation therefore that's not a part of me anymore which Spiritually and in sanctification, he is renewing us. But the truth is, we still have a human experience. We still have these traumas. And even though we are saved and we come to Christ, we still have to deal with these things that are part of the human experience. And so we need to be realistic about it because. The longer that people go without dealing with these issues, the longer it is going to be for them to, to make a recovery from it. And we don't want, if we're a healing place, if we're a place of healing people, then we need to take that into consideration and look at the whole person, you know. And that's kind of, we just really need a, I feel, if anything, with the whole mental health issue is a shift of perspective. We just need a better perspective of all of this
2: so good. I I think, you know, dealing with people, I've been dealing with people a a long time, you know, being a pastor and pastoring people. And uh, sometimes, going back to what you said, Sean. sometimes we throw people away. You know what I mean? If they have an issue, we throw them away if we don't know how to deal with it. So one, I want to ask, how do we take that um, stigma out of mental health like in the church like not making it something that's so taboo that we don't deal with how do we approach that and say no this is something that god can deal with this is something that we can be equipped to deal with and then how do we put tools into pastor's hands who are like looking at something and saying yeah this is this is not a spiritual thing this is something that's dealing with the human experience how do we get people in here to minister to that Um, to that issue as well because this is a healing place. And um, so what are the steps to do that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that as a church, we just need to integrate the mental health conversation more into our ministry programs because there are people in the church who have a diagnosis. You know, there are people in the church who honestly need a diagnosis because they're going through things and they feel like they're crazy and they don't know why and they're questioning God and they're questioning their faith. But when they go see a professional and they get that diagnosis, even though for a lot of people it's scary because I I deal with mental health support groups, people with mental illness, a lot of people find it freeing actually when they go to that professional and they and they. Find out what it is they're struggling with, because whenever you, the more you understand something, the more it breaks down the fear around it, and so then they can actually start getting the help they need uh, in maintaining that, or if they need medication, like I said, to help with that thyroid issue or those chemical imbalances. Um, so one is that we we just we need to be talking about it more, whether it's even having a, a sermon series on it and you have different people. Maybe you have a mini conference about it at the church where you have people come and talk about it. Maybe you have, this is big, support groups for people who have mental illness or for family members and friends of people who are dealing with it because it's very hard. you know. And something like that doesn't necessarily have to be educational because I'm a facilitator for NAMI's support groups and it's more so just about getting people to talk about what they're experiencing to feel less alone in it. And also they can a lot of times they have a lot of resources that they've used that they can give each other. Um, So support groups, you know, having sermons about it, integrated into ministry plans, even having the leaders uh, or people who are dealing on the front lines with those in your church, go through something like mental health first aid. Um, Like I was certified in that. It was a one day thing where you get all the mental health basics on what are the signs to look for, for depression, anxiety, suicidal thinking, you know, uh, psychotic episodes and how to, um, what's the word I'm thinking of, how to de-escalate those situations and then help point them into the direction that they need. Um, So it's, I think, just about educating ourselves, you know, as leaders, as those in the church, and just opening the door for those opportunities because there are people, without a doubt, who are struggling with it, who are coming to church every Sunday, going home, and still feeling... You know, hurt and helpless and lost. And if they hear from their church, like, this is something we're opening and talking to, like, yeah. that's so huge. And even for pastors, yeah. they found that, I think it was something like 23%, one in four pastors have struggled with or have been diagnosed yeah. with struggling with that. So it's real. If it, It's so real. It's so tangible. It baffles me that we're not talking about it. Yeah. When it's in our face, we're on the front lines as a church. Research for over 20 years has shown that people will go to their spiritual leader and to their pastor before they will go to a mental health professional. So the church needs to know that we are on the front lines of this because they will come to us and they're coming here because they're hurt, because they're broken, because they're trying to figure themselves out.
1: Yeah. And I think there's, it it always comes back to balance because I think that, you know any other medical diagnosis? If somebody came in and said, "I have cancer," yeah, like we would say, "Well, I'm going to pray for you, but you need to see a doctor." Yes. Like yes. Th- both of these, yes. things, both of these things are good. So true. Um, it's not an either or thing. So right. uh, Although I believe God can heal you, and you know He's divine and sovereign, and we submit to that sovereignty. And I have the faith that God can do anything because He's God. In yeah. the same token, we have humans that God's given brains to, and ge- they they have spent their life to create a cure for this and there may be a, a solve. And I think if we go into either of those courts without the other, we miss that intersectionality. And I think with, for some reason, with mental health, we haven't quite gotten there to the, yeah. you know, well, you have mental health, just pray through it. Well, God died for you. What are you sad about? Some of those, you know, we kind of oh just, yeah. just say these catchphrases yeah. that like, well, here you go. Here's my answer. Here's your solve. Get over it. And that clearly isn't working. So yeah. it needs to be, we pray for you. Let me tell you about the goodness of God in the same token, if this is something that is bigger than what I can do, we need to work out the actual help for you to get and move past this. But it, we got to remove the t- the taboo, yeah, um, that oh, a stigma of the red, you know, the scarlet letter on you that this is yeah. you know, you're now this kind of person. But to that point of even pastors and leaders, twenty three. You said it was about twenty three percent. Twenty
0: three percent.
1: It's shocking. And I, uh,
0: it was. I think um, Lifeway, Lifeway, and partner with Focus of the Family did a did a study where they surveyed a lot of people, but one in particular, over 1,000, I think, Protestant pastors and priests and leaders. And um, that's where they found um, 23%.
1: I think that we've taken on a burden that we were never meant to have. So there's been, you know, like when Jesus left, he said, go and make disciples Mm of all nations. So this is a tangible, I don't want to say easy, but it's a it's something that I can say I can do, but we've kind of taken on the mindset of it's my responsibility to change the world. Yeah. And Jesus never said that. Like, and so we've put this burden in a, and it it starts in a good place. Like it starts, it starts in a healthy, like I want to see people know Christ, which is great. Yeah. But if not taken care of and watched, it can lead to pastors who are putting, you know, the ministry of church ahead of their ministry of family and are, um, forsaking every forsaking all the things God has given them to be a good steward of that produce a healthy life for the sake of growing this local church. And the cost of that is that like anxiety, depression, and ultimately, oh gosh, yeah. you know, that it leads to unfortunately suicide and just stuff that is unbelievable. That is the hardest thing to hear in a Christian faith. But um I think that, we as leaders need to recognize that God, ne- he never told me to go change the world. He's not, he never right. said that. He said, go make. syndrome. Yeah. He said, yeah. go make, he can save the world. Right. That, And I don't want that. <laughs> like, if you're looking to me to have that, like yeah. the wrong dude, <laughs> there's a guy named Jesus that did it pretty well. Right. And so we yeah. point to him and we take that burden off and we just make disciples. And that's much, when I think we stay in that healthy balance, we can mm-hmm. find it. But, Um, we've taken on the burden that we're not meant to take on. And I think in some regards, we were talking about people who, you know, we talk about church, like the big C church, meaning believers everywhere, and then little C church, which is organizations that are doing their best to model that. And I think one thing we have to recognize is that we as pastors and leaders create a culture that represents the big C church, Mm -hmm. healthy or unhealthy, and it's on us. So like, if we are modeling this life we need to create spaces and not look to, if we find people are hurt and bitter and just angry at our church, we need to have a deep, like intrinsic moment to go, why? Because if I'm here to be Jesus to these people and Jesus could hang out with the, who who that dude hung out with (laughs) would be the who's who of do not touch them. And and he's with these people and he found a way to do that and to show love and grace um, we all the more then need to create these spaces where people can talk. They can be open. Yeah. We're not afraid of the conversation. Why, what what is there to be afraid of if we're pointing to Jesus? Like, yeah. and we're here for you, and we're creating an, or, an organization that models the Big C Church yeah. as much as we can, and models Jesus. But we as leaders, it starts with us. You know, it starts, how are we on the inside? Are we dealing with anxiety? Are we dealing with fear? If it is, start there. Don't even get mad at like a congregation or go figure that out. And then as as that conversation becomes more apparent and on the forefront, I think it naturally will work its way through people who struggle with it, you know.
2: I think like, you know, for the little C church, for those little organizations that um, sometimes we have allowed um, leaders to be placed on these pedestals Mm -hmm. that they don't belong on. Right. You know, and when you place people on those pedestals, they don't become human anymore. They become the guy or the gal who is on the screen, on the stage, and they need to be perfect at all times. And um, I just, man, I just want to say destroy the pedestal. You know what I mean? Kill the pedestal. And and as a pastor, we have to bring ourselves down, make sure people understand, no, I'm just as human as you are. I need just as much as you need, you know what I mean? And just as much as you need to be shepherded, I need to be shepherded as well. And I wanted to say that um, Jesus had an inner circle. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He had a circle that he could get away from everybody. You know, he had the 12, but then he had that inner circle that those three guys, Mm -hmm. they could see him actually cry, actually see him sweat blood, you know what I mean? And and not judge him and say, no, we get you. You know what I mean? We can see you agonize. And I think pastors need that inner circle. And I'm not sure if um, the pastor that we were talking about at the beginning, um, I'm not sure if he had that inner circle. You know what I mean? I I just want to make sure that man, as pastors, as leaders, mm-hmm. like we seek that we seek that inner circle that can just you know I, I call them my bubble poppers. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's awesome. yeah, yeah. You know that's my great. I love my, it. my inner circle is my wife. She'll pop pop that bubble. Hey, bro getting too high, right, you know what I mean? Right, uh, my right. mom, my dad, you know what I mean? My brother, those are people I can. Um, and then people around here that, you know, have just become real brothers and sisters in the Lord that I can show my ugly to and they yes. say, yeah, here's what you need to do. You know what I mean? And, and not thinking about me as a pastor or somebody who's perfect or somebody who preaches. Forget that, forget the pedestal. I need help right now, uh-huh. you know what I mean? And I think, you know, that's the thing that a lot of pastors need to find. Find your inner circle, Find those people who you can talk to and say, man, I'm, I'm struggling right now. You yes. know what I mean? And then sometimes take a break. Take a break. I I saw a pastor. He said, man, I'm going on a break. I take a break every single year just to get away. Have to. You know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. how how important is that for pastors to find that inner circle and to take that break? How is important?
0: I think that your sanity depends on it. Like literally, I mean, I'm not a pastor of a church, but my friend asked me the other day, she was just like, how do you stay centered and how do you stay grounded? You're dealing with all these people with mental health issues and mental illness and, you know, this church image thing, you know, and I tell her like, I, have, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have the friends who had the grace to see me through my journey without disqualifying me as less qualified to do what I do because I'm imperfect. Yeah. Like you have to have those people that you can be completely authentic with that you can, like you said, show your ugly to that you can just lay it all out. I'm struggling with this. It doesn't have to be a whole, you know, squad, you know, just mm-hmm. two or three or four people that you know that you can turn to because like you were, you you mentioned uh, this or something about a study about when you speak it, how it kind of sets you free. And I just think about the scripture. I think it's James 5, 6, where he says, you know, confess your sins to one another so that you may pray and be healed, you know, and there is just, there is a healing. I think it's a spiritual principle and I think it's a mental health principle that there is a healing yeah. that takes place with confession mm-hmm. and that you need to, because when some things, when things are going on all up in your head and I'm a professional overthinker. I have a PhD in overthinking. I think that I can solve everything in my head, like up here. But the more that all those issues that you're struggling with and the burden stay up here, I feel like it just manifests and manifests in the dark. But when you speak it or you write it down, you set it free and you Mm -hmm. make it tangible. And now you have something to deal with out here instead of just yeah. in here in your head. And so I can imagine with pastors like much of us who are carrying so much. Like I said, I've been a part of church plants. And I've watched these pastors of these small churches or church plants where they are literally everything. Like they're the they run to that couple's house at eleven o'clock at night to counsel them because their marriage is about to break down. And they're also trying to planned strategy and vision for the church and they're also trying to raise their teenage children to be godly at such a hard and tough age and they're also trying to um deal with the um church dynamics of just different people in the church and how they're, how volunteers are, I mean, they're dealing with everything. And for one, like first is like delegate, 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 right? Yeah. Like you try to delegate what you can. It's hard when you have your own vision, it's, and it's your baby and you yeah. kind of know and see how things need to be run, you know? Um, but you, got to find a way to delegate and you've got to have that break. Like you were talking about that space and you have to have people that you can be vulnerable with. Um, yeah. Pastor Andrew, the one who um, passed away after taking his life, his wife has been writing about, I don't know if you guys have been following, but on her Instagram and also on her website, she's actually been like Writing letters to him, like each day, like as she's processing it, and in one, and one of them, she was saying, "You know, when you were struggling with this, you know, I wish I knew how serious it was. I wish that if I would have known that it would have come to this, and I would have done more." And um, I think that's kind of a general feeling when it comes to grief with anyone passing away. But um, we we need to pay attention um, to our leaders, especially those who are in leadership around their pastor. Yeah. You know, check in with them and be like, hey, yeah. where are you? Where where are you really? Like, what's going on? You know, because just having someone who sees you, who really sees you, is freeing. Yeah.
1: yeah. And it comes back to, I mean, we kind of talked on this in the, in the beginning, but social media and all that have just... We have to, like, you have to have that inner circle. You have to, as a human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can be in your family. It can be in friends. It can be in a lot of different places for those who didn't have family growing up. And we have to recognize that if we don't have that, it is a matter of time. It's not, because it, I don't think it's one of those things that you can do your whole life and be completely happy without that. I think that if yeah. you don't have that, it is a matter of time before something comes and grabs you. And you feel, I'm. Uh, yeah. please, if this is, for lack of a better word, you feel that demon honestly come inside Mm -hmm, of you and mm -hmm. that could have been avoided with that close-knit circle of people that you know you can be completely transparent. You do not have to worry. And then in the same token, um, we need to be people, if we're in a great mental health place, to model that and be that transparent. Like you can be completely who you are around me and you're not going to be... Because honestly, I I have seen it even in the past where there's leaders or people who will say I you can be completely open and then when somebody is open right, right. it's like used and twisted and yeah it's ultimately the bottom line is it's just bad leadership and it's toxic leadership and it can act but I've seen it take people who um maybe even are struggling and having questions and trying to figure out something in a mental health space and now it's pinned against them. And that's just like the for somebody who's already dealing with something and then they don't want to talk about it ever again. And the idea of church and the idea of the thing that can help them, they're so upset with. And so I think we just have to, one, recognize mm-hmm. that not all, and you know, this is kind of a bottom line truth, not all leaders are meant to handle that, and not all leaders are in the capacity to do that. True. And so be careful, not, not necessarily be careful, but... Um, we have to just recognize that as people of who is our inner circle. Can we trust them to that level and ultimately know that it's my choice and it's my decision and it's my emotional state that I'm taking care of and there's nobody that um, should feel that weight or feel that responsibility. So it's my decisions of who I'm sharing with and I recognize yeah. if this is not helping or or it's hurting, I'm okay to move away from that. But it doesn't mean I close that wall up and never open it again It means I need to find the healthy place. And that that could be a ton of different things, you know. But
0: On the flip side, I have to say also we have to stop turning people into projects because I have been on both sides of the fence where I went to someone and then I felt like a project. And when you feel like a project, it feels like, Oh healthy you and struggling me like you're in this place yep. guiding me and I'm in this broken weak place and even though that's true a person might be in a healthier place than you shouldn't feel like that, shouldn't feel like that because it's just it's it's undermining to your own recovery as well. It's undermining to your own ability to go through your recovery process. So I have, you know, I've seen it where it's just like in in just the language in the church, like, oh, kind of this, oh, poor this person in the church. Oh, oh, poor this person is struggling with this. And they're like over here, the broken, struggling person. And we're the healthy, good Christians who have it together, and we're gonna help this person. And it's like That is such an unhealthy mindset and it's unrealistic because we all struggle with things. But uh, the other person on the receiving end who needs help can feel that. They can feel that kind of, I'm the project, I'm the needing fixing. I mean, I remember going to a pastor and his wife once um, and it's uh, having struggled with something and it's like okay well you know we're gonna meet monthly for this and you know we're gonna check in for this and you know or I remember one time at church I ne- I didn't go to the altar that time for prayer I was just kind of sitting taking in and it was like, why didn't why didn't you go to the altar for prayer you know we know you're struggling with this you know let my recovery be my own let God work with me and that's one of the things they teach you kind of therapy 101 is The, whenever it comes to a therapeutic and client relationship, the client, you need to give the client the opportunity to have permission to say, you know, hey, so I'm thinking that maybe this might help. Would you, do you agree to this plan? Is this something that you would want to do? And, you know, again, walking with them, not healthy, righteous me and struggling, poor you. Like we really need to get rid of that attitude um, as a church because it is damaging and it does make a person not want to not come out. And um, you're talking about suicidal thoughts. One of the prime, first of all, suicide is preventable. It's preventable. The signs are there, you know, and the person it's giving off signs but we're either not tuned in or we're not taking it seriously or they're going through it um alone very alone and so talking about it being open about it that is that's going to be a big solution solution for us but we in order to do that we have to we have to walk with people not like like Out, I said we yeah. have to get rid of that attitude of yeah. that will turn people off from feeling like opening up yeah i think
1: it just goes back to that idea that we have to be the coach on the sideline. Yeah. You know, I, I try to model that. I love, Pastor Jared models that so, so well. Yeah. Just, um, being the coach, like taking off, take me off the pedestal. Mm -hmm. Because he, and it's, I am encouraged to see, and there's so many pastors that model that so well. There's a a, plethora of out there, but it's, um, we just have to be mindful of that, that as leaders, and I say pastors, but if I'm saying pastors, I'm meaning anyone who feels a desire to help people find Jesus. Mm-hmm. So whether that's a leader or whether whatever world that's like the layman. In, in, in your work yeah. environment, if you are carrying the call of Christ to help people find disciples or help help people become disciples of Jesus, we have to recognize we play a role in some regards as some sort of pastor, mentor, leader, whatever that title is, and we need to be acutely aware of these things that we make an impact in people's lives and we are representing mm-hmm. our God. So, the way we represent Him is how people are going to perceive Him. Yeah. And, um, That's true. yeah, I think the more we can just come along the journey and remove those letters, you know, the scarlet letter on the person is vitally important because at the end of the day, you know, we are all sinners and <laughs> we've all fallen yeah. short of the glory of God. And the way For one sure. person sins is different than the way I sin, but. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm perfect, which there was one man that was. Um, <laughs> Just one. There's one. N- there's one. That's the that's beauty swen. of the gospel. Yeah. Just one. Uh, unless I'm perfect, there's I'm only here to cheer you on and help give you advice and point you to that one person over and over and over again.
0: There's a quote that I love. It's by Brene Brown. And she says, it's as if we've divided the world into those who help and those who need help. But the truth is that we're all both. Mm, and that's so great. Yeah. I try to live by that yeah. because we do that in the church yeah. we yeah. do that we divide between the people who help the people that need help the people on the stage the people in the congregation the people in ones. leadership yep. the people in the body like we're, we're all one and yeah. we're all both at any given time at any given circumstance yeah. and when we realize that i think it'll make us a little bit more humble yeah. and open and less judgmental to I mean, helping one another
2: i think it makes us more fruitful you know what I mean When it, when it, you know I would, when I starts stepping into being pastor, you know people would come and say, "Hey, I want to be mentored by you and things like that." And I mm-hmm. used to get so nervous, you know, about like yeah. what am I going to teach these people? You know what, <laughs> what I mean? Like you know, do I have, to have a mentorship program? And what I really found out, um, what it's really about, is just walking with people and letting them know, "Hey, I'm just as broken yes. as you are." You know, what I mean, as much and I learned this from Pastor Jared, Jerry, Jerry, he said, as much as you want to learn from me, you're probably going to learn some things you don't want to do, too. Mm-hmm. You know, what I yeah, mean, and yeah. it was so refreshing to hear him say that, like he didn't have all the answers and I don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I told um, one friend, I said, hey, how I do mentorship is we're going to have a friendship. You know what I mean? You go. You're gonna. I'm gonna pour into you, and you're gonna pour into me just as much as I pour into you. Yeah. And it's gonna be a give and take thing. You know what I mean? I yeah. think if we approach um, ministry like that, about you know, hey, I'm not giving you a hand up, and I'm not, you know, up here. Hey, we're walking together. I think that's so awesome. It's yeah. so cool that we can do it that way.
0: Yeah. So yeah.
2: I, I I grew up in a very traditional. Pentecostal church, so everything was about the spirit yeah and everything was about you know um, using the gifts of the spirit and um, casting out demons things like that and that happened and um people would come to the church and um they may or may not have had a demon manifesting in them, and sometimes you know it was cast out, but other times you could clearly see like we' prayed over this person mm-hmm. cast something there's no, i mean this person is still acting up it, it's not That, they may have a real mental issue. Right. But we didn't know how to deal with it, so we just called everything a demon. And it's like, no, everything is not a demon. Sometimes people really have mental issues, like you were saying. Yeah. And how do we deal with that? But again, sometimes when we don't know how to deal with it, we just throw it away or we just say, well, just pray about it. And, you know, yeah. man, faith without works is dead. You know, yeah. we have to have some work behind what we're praying about, what we're believing for, you know what I mean? And I'm just, you know, I wanted to talk about that because there are so many people who are still in that situation where everything's a demon. No, everything is not a demon. How do we come and help people deal with true mental illness, you know?
0: It's that underline, it's that undertone culture hist- history. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's been around for a while. Well, we always, yeah. f-
1: we fear what we don't know. Yes, and so w- when we don't know something, rather than it's it's easy to just go boom. Like oh, I mean, even to the simplest form, and I yeah. I've seen that where it's like there's a there's a a sound issue or whatever. It's mm. like the demon in the speakers. Like yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like no, the cord is just broken. That's all, <laughs> and, it's and this that's just causing this yeah. buzz. Yeah. And we can fix it real quick, but. For sure. <laughs> you know, if you don't know that, I, I don't know. So, but I know that's kind of a funny thing. But like, we but take yeah, that too. We don't know it. We don't understand it. And it's yeah. a lot of energy, and it's conversation, and it's work. It is the work to mm-hmm. figure this out. And ultimately, we may spend a lifetime trying to figure this out and get nowhere, and or get I should say, progress the conversation, but not figure out the cure and all be all. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that there is definitely. It comes from a good place that mm-hmm. God. Can heal. Absolutely. God is the answer. He is, you know, Jesus can do all these things, but when we leave that with, when realizing, okay, there is an actual thing that needs mm-hmm. to be addressed here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the balance thing. I think it yeah. always. I find. I find a lot. God more and more. I find him in the balance I than agree. in the extremes. Oh, that. As oh, so. I get older and older, and yeah, I think this is definitely one of those. Yeah. In my opinion,
2: and I wanted to say, you know, um, talking about God's healing, we need to um, take the limits off of God. Because he just doesn't heal by laying on of hands or, you know, um, some miraculous way. Sometimes he heals by having people who are educated. Through people. Who have, you know what I mean? Uh Who who know this stuff, who studied, you know what I mean? And can help with these things. And that's healing too, you know what I mean? And I think we need to recognize that and realize that and say, that's not taboo to have a person who's educated, has a doctorate in this, and they can really help people in our church be healed, you know what I mean? I think um, that's something that we just have to um, put out there a little more. Yeah,
0: yeah. we just, um, we wouldn't do it with physical pain. You mentioned this at the beginning, you know, if your leg is broken or if you're having heart issues, you're going to go see a doctor, you, yeah. you know what I mean, to get the help that you need. And it's it's the same, yeah. it's the same situation. And even our care for people, if we find out that someone in the church is just, you know, um, I don't know, like was in the hospital from something, or uh, we'll bring them flowers, you know, or maybe we'll help around, we'll ask them what they need. But when somebody is going through a mental health issue or a mental health crisis, we don't provide that same type of care. And so I think that we just need to start, like you said, I love and I live in the balance because I do believe in yeah. that. Like, I think that we need to stop seeing them as separate issues. I think we need to see them as, as one and the same because it can be very physical where sometimes literally it is out of their control. The depression anxiety is at a point where it's out of their control and it's not a matter of having more faith or having more prayer. They need um, physical uh, recovery for those issues to help a lot of times in if you go to a therapist and you find out they have bipolar or um schizophrenia or whatever what they do is they put them you know on medication to stabilize those levels um at least enough to where they can break through to their thinking to start developing new patterns of thinking and ways to manage it you know um so some so medication can be helpful in that way um, yeah. That's a whole other topic, yeah. but um, and I think as leaders
1: yeah. we do this in every like um, we do our best as people who are following Christ to help people experience Jesus in a tangible way, and a lot of times that means there's a practical thing to it. It means we're going right. to make a gathering of people who come together look and feel like this because this is how we think people can experience God. It means we're going to be really intentional on in community. We're going to set up missions. To, we 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 put strategy. At a very high priority because without organization strategy it's the only way you can mobilize a large number of people to see a big result and so yeah that we're okay with that when it comes to church world and how we organize and how we work together to do something bigger than just our individual selves yeah. we would never just if somebody said i need jesus go well, let me pray for you boom done okay see you like you got it you're good but for some reason with uh, health issues we don't see it in those terms of these are people who are God-fearing men and women who are devoting their life to help people become better. Yeah. And yeah. Jesus is the greatest pr- practitioner. We believe that. But in the same token, we should not diminish the gifting and the skill and the, mm-hmm. you know, uh, all of that that is in these people's work, their lifetime to help people. Just like we do it in the church. We're, we're putting strategy and yeah. and thought into how, and uh, the intentionality can produce a great result. And so um, I think it's just that balance thing, you know, we yeah. have to keep, keep finding
0: it. I think it comes down to humility. Yeah. We have to be humble enough to recognize when we have run out of tools or when we don't have the tools Ooh. and when we need more help that if anything, that's what I've seen a lot where, like you were saying with the savior syndrome, where it's like, we have to be the ones to heal everything. We have to be the ones to feel it, to fix everything. We have to be the end of the means for this situation, you know, but it's like, We need humility. We need humility to say, you know what? Maybe I don't know what's going on with this person. Maybe I don't have all the tools to help this person or even the time to see them through their whole journey. Maybe I need to turn to something else. Maybe I need to turn to more resources. Maybe I need to find out more about this so that it can actually be helpful, so that they can actually find healing and recovery. So we need humility as a church with this issue. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good.
2: And I just wanted to say, you know, um, I I didn't want it to make... It sounds like, you know, just a Pentecostal church. It's just, you know, casting out demons, you know, and that's all they think about. But I think, you know, it comes back to humility. It's just like, you know, it's all right that we don't have all the answers. You know what I mean? But let's find some people who can help us with those answers. And let's keep working. Let's keep working with folks and not throw them away, but keep working.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, we use terms to generalize stuff and it helps in a conversation. But in reality, everything is different. Every... There's just so many variances in this on a spectrum. That's, I mean, you can't you can't lump. It's hard to define stuff and lump it into certain. You know, this entire. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It just it's hard. It's 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 easy to say it, but it's harder to. It's not actually. You know, um, how would I say it? We just have to be more careful in our nuances with it all. You know, Mm -hmm. knowing that like as a person, we have to understand and use discernment and watch the Holy Spirit in what's healthy, what's good, what's right, what's noble. Fix our eyes on that, and then the things that aren't understand that we need to be there for support to help find, help yeah. people find, yeah. you know, God in that scenario, but not outcast and push away. Um, but yeah. Anthony, would you mind praying us out? Absolutely.
2: Father, we thank you, God, for this uh, conversation that we've had about mental health issues. Father, um, we've heard, Lord, from Brittany, Lord, that we just need to talk more about this that we need to be aware, Lord, that this is a real, these are real issues. People are dealing with real problems. There's real diagnosis um, for the things that people are going through. And, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we are humble enough um, to say, Lord, that we don't have all of the answers and that we need help and to seek out that help. and to, um, As a church, as a body of believers, as people who love other folks, mm-hmm. that we reach out and say we need help and come help us. And, Lord, thank you for um, sending people to school and allowing them to have the heart, Lord, to see people through journeys, Lord, through mental health. And Father, I thank you for people like Brittany, Lord, who are out there, who understand faith, but who will also understand God, mental health, God in it, and is being educated in it. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, that the church will come to a place Lord, will we um, see mental health, God, as a thing, Lord, that's not taboo to talk about, but a thing, Lord, that it can be healed, that can be delivered, set free from, Lord, because of um, what you've placed inside of people and what you've done for uh, us. And, Lord, so just bless us, Lord, and bless those pastors out there, Lord, that are dealing with, Lord, um, suicidal issues, that are dealing with um, things, Lord, that uh, really, um, Lord, um, help, Lord, keep them, Lord, um, secluded, Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that they find their inner circle, that they find their Peter, James, and John, Lord, that they Mm -hmm. find those people, Lord, that they can um, pour out to. And, Lord, just bless us, Lord. Bless the family, Lord, of uh, Andrew, Father, and um, bless their community. Bless all the people, Lord, that are involved, Lord, and especially his wife and his boys. Um, In Jesus' name we pray,
0: amen. Amen.
1: Just as we're closing it up... um, I know you have a seven day detox yeah. plan on YouVersion, right? <laughs> yes. How can we find wow. that? Is it, you yeah. just look up seven day detox? I
0: literally, on? if you go to your YouVersion Bible app and you type in anxiety or anxiety detox, it's going to be right there. And it's yeah. seven days. And hopefully, I'm hoping to come out with more mental health content on the Bible app. It was, I was honored that to connect with them and them say, we, we want more mental health content on our app and we realize it's a struggle in the church. And so right now that's, that's the one. And I've gotten a lot of great, helpful feedback for it. So I hope it helps more people. Yeah.
1: I know we, we've talked on some pretty heavy stuff in this conversation. Um, if you're struggling with any mental illness, um, write us, DM us, um, us, Our email is just hello at highervisionchurch.com, or if you're looking at this from any social media platform, Facebook or Instagram, you can DM us. Um, If you're struggling with suicide, uh, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is 800-273-8255. And uh, if you could take anything away from this, we just want to encourage you that somebody is there for you. Uh, We love you. People love you. You are meant for a purpose in this world and, um, you know, we've also talked a lot about pastor Andrew at Inland Hills and his wife yeah. and three children that are left behind. And I'd like to put a link in the bio. There's support for her right now that we as a church, you know, if there's anything that we do, it's take care of widows and orphans. And, right. um, it's just so heartbreaking to even talk about the story and it's been on my mind so much, but if you feel like you'd like to help support her and her family, um, there's a GoFundMe account set up and we'll put links up to that as well, but um, Brittany, thank you so much thank for joining you. us. This is great. Yeah, we yeah. appreciate it. This was the table. We'll see you guys next time.